2010 Jack Straw Writers Programme. We'll hear writer Tara Roth in discussion with program curator Jared Lysing. I do think about myself as a storyteller, so I definitely base it off of experiences that I've either lived through or I write about my grandmother a lot, things that she's lived through. But then I'm kind of aware of the arc of a story, and I try to stick to some of those elements as I'm telling it. I'm really close to my uh, father's side of the family, and my father's Armenian, and so I'm really interested in that culture. And And you have to tell me about Armenian cookies. So the Armenian cookies, that was the part of the story that I agonized over. I didn't know if I should leave this out or keep it in. But basically, in the story, I'm trying to do a lot of things. I need to show, uh, well, I want to talk about cultural stereotypes. I want to talk about my obligation to my family. I want to talk a little bit about mania. Um, And in order to get there, I need to show that my family is kind of willing to they bend over backwards for me throughout this piece, and they're there. This is very much an apology to my cousins, really. Um, but the cookies play into this because there's one bakery in Pasadena that makes them, and I need them. And Sometimes they mail them to me next day, but whenever I arrive, they always have these cookies waiting. So this show takes place in L.A. I don't get to that until later in the story, but um, because I'm there in L.A., that's the first thing I do is I call them, and I need the cookies, and... They bring them. Now we'll hear Tara's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. The piece I'm going to read tonight is called I Will Topanga You. Power off, ravel cords, and do the stage crawl, avoiding eye contact with meddling faces, eye level with my knees, as I throw a few petals into a relict suitcase inherited from some other musician along the way. The latch is broken, but I like the stickers. Some nights I knock over a drink, or worse, the violin that sits on my side of the stage, awaiting the next band. We're three weeks into this tour, and I still don't have the choreography of dismantling down. I stumble my way around the other band members until there's nothing left to do but scan the theater for my Armenians. And then I hear a, cuz, over here, cuz. I jump off the side of the stage, grateful the curtain blocks my landing, and weave into the crowd. My cousin Arno is the first to compliment me with his best air keyboard impersonation. His brother Saro accompanies on air guitar. Arno's wife Nanor smiles like a parent at a school play. She's holding something in her hands. How long have you played in your band, she asks. A couple of years, I say. But it's not really my band. I'm not possessive. Oh, so Jim has to play in two bands every night. I tell her he does, but that he doesn't mind opening with us and headlining later. At least there's the other band in between. As we talk, the next step begins. Arno vanishes and returns within seconds, handing me a drink. At the same time, Nanor hands over the packages. I almost forgot. Here are the cookies. Two dozen, Saro adds. I left work early today to get to the bakery in time. Is he irritated? I'd placed the order, a call to our grandmother, earlier that day. It wasn't fair of me, I guess, but I was desperate. I need these Armenian cookies. I can't take another night of backstage food. Neither can anyone else. Handing my drink to Arno, I grab the cookies and tell the three of them I'll be back in a minute. Before I go, I stumble through an apology about how limited backstage passes are, how I wish the three of them could come with me. You have passes for us? One of them asks, a little too enthusiastically, misunderstanding me over the music. 
I explain again and they tell me it's cool, they're understanding. Backstage, I find an empty corner room where I conceal a box of cookies and a backpack. Then I find my husband and some of the others and bestow the second dozen, like a hero. The Armenians must be here, says my husband Jim, grabbing for a cookie. By the the time I find my cousins out in the crowd again, they've moved on to another round. Arno returns the plastic cup he's kept watch over for me. So I have to work the merch booth for a while, I explain. Yes, I will accept your beer and your cookies, and now I will abandon you to promote some discs and t-shirts that nobody will buy. (laughs) They offer to help me, but I tell them to watch the band that I have it covered. From the merchandise booth out in the lobby, I can't see Camper playing, but I can hear them. Like every other night on this tour, I find myself impatiently waiting for She Divine's Water. Just as I hear the opening notes on the violin, all three of my cousins rush out of the theater toward me. Before I can ask what their problem is, sorrow mouths the word, celebrity. He's jumping a little. (laughs) I'm bored and annoyed by the news that interrupts my song. I don't really care about celebrities, but to humor them, I ask who it is. And that's when Nanor, leaning in, whisper screams, It's Ben Savage. (laughs) All at once, the room falls silent as my body absorbs the sound of a name as familiar as my own. Did you say Ben Savage, I ask? As in Little Monsters Boy Meets World, Corey Matthews to ping his husband, Fred Savage's little brother, Ben Savage? (laughs) She nods. I know. She gets it. This is big. (laughs) Suddenly, I'm feeling sick for my brother. I turn to my cousins. Hey, would you guys man the booth for me? I hardly have to ask. As I blindly charge quite possibly the greatest celebrity that ever lived, I'm missing my brother more than I have in years. I scan the crowd of heads between myself and the stage and choke on all those thoughts of summer nights when we were kids, watching little monsters on repeat, Ben Savage, our TV wallpaper. Years later, in high school, okay, college even. (laughs) I would hide out for hours watching episodes of Boy Meets World just to get back to those summer nights when nothing else mattered. Memories of growing up are all the same, and Ben Savage is in them. I will find him. (laughs) Then again, these fans all look alike to me, like they came to the show straight from the poetry section of Powell's. Each head blends into the next. I don't see Corey Matthews anywhere. Arno senses my distress. Out of nowhere, I feel his reassuring hand on my shoulder as he methodically scans the dark theater. A few seconds later, he raises an arm, points his finger into the crowd, and says, white, button-down shirt, glasses, short. Arno is skillful. (laughs) With reckless abandon, I rush him. Ben is intently watching the band. I don't blame him, but this is no time for music. (laughs) I tap his shoulder and say, excuse me. It comes out like a stewardess. He turns and gives me his best, do I know you, face. I'm a big fan, I say, holding out my hand. It's the only thing I can think of. He says, thanks, and turns back to the stage. I am doubting his sincerity. (laughs) I've heard this tone before. This is exactly the way Corey Matthews sounds when he's mad at Topanga but tries to play it off like he isn't. Is he pretending I'm not here? No, no, Ben, eyes on me. I have to play my hand. I touch his shoulder again. So did you come out for these guys, I ask, nodding toward the stage. "Uh, They're great, he says, but I really came for Built to Spill, he admits with starry eyes. I have him now. (laughs) My husband Jim is in the band, I blur. You should come backstage. I'll get you a pass. 
I tug on my own laminate necklace using my all-access braceleted arm for effect. <laughs> you know them, he says? Your husband's in the band? His Corey Matthews, I love you, Topanga eyes are wide. He's no longer looking at the stage. He's one of the guitar players, I say, but forget about them. We just played two. My husband and my friends and I, we just opened the delusions. Oh, I'm so sorry we missed you, he laments. We just got here. I want to know when we exchange personal information, but I play it cool, insisting again on the backstage pass. Oh, you really don't have to do that, he says. He is lying. He wants this pass. It's no trouble. I lie too. Well, he turns and looks into the crowd and then back to me again. Can you get three for my sister and her boyfriend? He has a sister? Backstage in search of the production manor, I find Jim and our drummer in one of the dressing rooms. Jim's changing his guitar strings, which means they're about to go on. Guess what, I interrupt. I realize I'm probably yelling a little. I just met your biggest celebrity fan. Who, Jim asks, still winding a string. Ben Savage. Who? Ben Savage. Who's that? Oh, you mean that kid from the Wonder Years, right? Our drummer tries to help. No, no, Matt, not Fred. His brother, Ben. Don't know, says Jim. No, you do know. Little Monsters, Boy Meets World, Topanga, Mr. Feeney. Wasn't I still watching that show when we first met? Mm, I'm getting nowhere, and I'm wasting valuable time. I leave in search of the production manager again. While I'm looking, I call my brother, but he doesn't answer. I need someone to relish with, but this isn't something you leave a voicemail about. Three who's and one, you mean that guy from the Wonder Years? Later. I find the manager at last and explain the situation. Three VIPs in audience need passes. Now. He sighs and hands them over. With bracelets in hand, I look for Benny out in the crowd, but I've lost him. I stop for a minute to watch Jim bounce a melody line off the others. The band is already a few songs into their set, playing the best part of Strange. The theater is packed, and everyone seems to be nodding like they mean it. Suddenly, I remember my Armenians. I've left them in the merchandise booth all this time. <laughs> I run out to the front lobby to check on them, and I'm surprised to find the booth surrounded by people. Nanor is exchanging someone's money for a sticker. She sees me, parts the crowd, and waves me in. I'm so sorry, I tell her. This has never happened. I don't know where all these people came from. Oh, it's okay. I know them, she says. You know them? Yeah. All of them? Well, most. They're Armenians, she says. <laughs> we sold a lot, but I didn't know how to make change, so Arno got some cash from the ATM. And now the guilt sets in. I have three backstage passes in my hand, but I push the thought from my mind. These belong to Ben. It takes a few minutes, but I finally convince my cousins to close down the booth. We go back inside the theater to look for Ben and watch the show. It is Arno once again who spots him first. With my cousins looking on, giving me their blessing, I give Ben the passes, and he thanks me. I can't really hear him over the guitars, but I'm sure this time he's sincere. After a long set, the band echo chambers away their final 20-minute jam, and the lights go up in the theater. My cousins begin their goodbyes, but I'm only half listening as I spot Ben heading quickly toward the front exit. Is he ducking a little? Ben, hey! I run up behind him. Oh, hi, he says, apparently startled. <laughs> Do you want to come back and meet them now? I'll introduce you. Hey, about that, he begins. Thanks so much for going to the trouble with the passes, but my sister isn't feeling well. 
He gestures over to a girl wearing a scarlet red coat, leaning her head against a wall. She is frowning at me. But maybe we'll come again tomorrow night, he says. I'd like to see them again. We'll put you on the list, I say. Plus two. Oh, you don't have to do that, he begins. But he doesn't protest very long this time. As he walks away, my cell phone rings. It's my brother. Guess what, guess what, I answer. What, he asks. Guess what I just met at the show in L.A. tonight. Who? Ben Savage. Who? Ben Savage. You remember, right? Who? Thank you. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lysing. Music performed by Grand Hallway and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Proventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve DeTore. Narrator is Amy Broomhall, and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.